is Cup of Go for May 29, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in 15 minutes per week. I'm Jonathan Hall. And I'm Shai Nechmad. And this show is sponsored by Koyeb, a developer-friendly serverless platform to deploy apps globally. Stay tuned to hear more about them later in the show. Thanks, Koyeb. How are you feeling, John? I'm great. I'm feeling pretty maxed out. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> is that a bad segue into the Max Min proposal? It might be, but we're going to take it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, we have a new proposal that has been accepted. We've talked about it before. Uh, so this is actually interesting. It turned it, it was originally just a s- simple library change proposal to add the ability to detect the minimum and maximum in a list. But it's become a language change. This is actually going to become built-in features. So the Go 1.21 is going to have new built-ins in the language, which is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, min and max, all lowercase. They're not part of the center library. They're built-ins. will exist in, the center, in uh, Go 1.21. Won't there will be some standard. Li- Sorry, uh, won't that break variables that are called min or max? I suppose it might. However, you can already shadow those, uh, so probably we'll just start causing GoVet warnings. Nice. Well, I think that uh, it's a great, great proposal, and it's a really good step forward for the language instead of implementing min and max with a for loop. I mean, come on, it's twenty twenty three. Yep, you can get your everything online, but you want to get a max out of the list, you need to write the for loop. Come on. I think it's a good change. And I'm looking, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before about, uh, we had guests saying that the main thing they want to add to the language is more, uh, you know, functional paradigms. And, and this is a small step in that direction, I think, uh, to just have built ins that can take a, an arbitrary list of things, return the minimum or the maximum of them. Soon we'll have proper MapReduce uh, capabilities built into the language too. Mm-hmm. We, this is a Jonathan guarantee. Everybody <laughs> write it down. May 29th. We're going to have a full map reduce in Go. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> there are two other interesting things going in the boards right now. Uh, one of them is a discussion about HTTP, which yeah. is the language's favorite protocol, I would assume. <laughs> and people have been talking about a super interesting discussion. So this is not a proposal yet. I think it's uh, a pre-proposal, right? Yeah, We're trying to right. gauge what the community actually wants, what are the actual issues, then we'll break it down into proposals later on. Uh, so this is very early stage, which is great for if you're listening, you know, to go put in your two cents. What do you want? Uh, the discussion is about enhancing the capabilities. But what's wrong? I thought the standard library was perfect, John. Huh. Why do we need to enhance stuff? So uh, this is an interesting proposal. It's, or not even a proposal. Like you said, it's a discussion. But it may lead to a proposal. It adds two capabilities. The most important one, or most interesting one, I should say, from my perspective, is the option to include HTTP methods in your the URL that you're matching your handler to. So, you know, if you have a handler for a slash foo, currently, if you're using a standard library, you have to check to see if the method matches get or post or put or whatever you might want it to be, and then behave accordingly. The proposal is to make that method part of the URL string. So you could prefix it with your, your HTTP verb, such as get space or post space and so on. And I think that's an interesting way to solve the problem. I mean, we, we've seen dozens, if not hundreds of uh, frameworks written for Go or, or routers that solve this in different ways. Uh, yeah, some Echo, of them use different Jin, approaches. They all, they all Qi, solved it. Yeah, Qi, uh, they, all, they all solve it in slightly different ways. I think it's really interesting just because it's, the sim- it's very declarative, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It might help even static checking, right? If you want to make sure mm-hmm. that your uh, checks are exhaustive, like you want to make sure that this path, you cover every single verb, that you could, can't really do that 
right now because it's imperative. But with this proposal, with this discussion, yeah, you could do it uh, declaratively, which is mm-hmm. interesting, I think, for code generators, right? Because you could generate all the cases and have a default case, which would make generated code a lot better. Generally, for RESTful APIs, this is a, a super great proposal, which is evidenced by the fact that all the frameworks already did it, right? Right. So I, I think it's clear that there's a problem to be solved here. Um, I've been guilty of saying you don't need a framework and go just use a standard library. But this is obviously one place where the standard library falls short. It's not the only one, but it's an obvious one. So this would be a help bridge that gap. I do have a few concerns. Maybe the most obvious one is if this is adopted, how is that going to interact with all the existing frameworks out there that already build on top of the standard library? For example, if I'm using Qi, which has its own way of doing this, but it's supposed to be compatible with the standard library. Now we have two competing ways to define which uh, approach to use. Um, is that going to be backward compatible or will that break all these frameworks? I, I don't know the answer and it probably nobody does until it's solidified, but that would be a concern of mine. I think that um, there are a lot of interesting concerns in the discussion as well. Uh, the discussion link is in the show notes. If you want to check out all the comments, there are like 100 comments there, super interesting. Jonathan and I went over the discussions before the show and we both found the things we wanted to discuss already being discussed, which is a great sign. means uh, serious people are talking about it. I found precedence bugs really interesting because it doesn't only support add support for verbs. It also adds supports for wildcards. Yes. Um, so you could have a get slash user slash and then a wildcard for a user, which, you, you know, you, you're working with a standard library go on on the one end of the spectrum, which is very low level, and you have to do everything on your own. And in the front end, I don't know, maybe you're working with Next.js or something, which has dynamic uh, wildcard routing by files, like where it's super abstracted away from you. And supporting wildcards, the way that this discussion uh, offers to do it, is very uh, modern, I think. But a problem with that is precedence, right? What happens if I have slash user slash info, which returns all the users info, right? Mm -hmm. And I have, which is not super restful, but I can do it. And then I have slash user slash wildcard, which goes first. Right. This is a bug that a lot of people are facing, whether they're using OpenAPI, whether they're using, like, it's a a famous bug, precedence bugs. Mm -hmm. And with this uh, method of, uh, you know, serving HTTP, you have to make sure that the order is clear. It's going to be a little more difficult just because, not because there are going to be less presence bugs, but just because people are not going to write it themselves or they're not going to think about it. Right. And you were wondering about returning errors, right? So Josh Bleacher Snyder made the same comment. Uh, He says, the main thing I would like to see is to have HTTP.handler grow an error return value. 1,000%. Um, In fact, I've thought about making a proposal or at least a discussion on that topic. Maybe this will prompt me to actually formalize that if it hasn't already been beaten to death. But that's the main thing I would like to see at it. Yeah, and Josh Snyder is definitely someone we trust uh, with his... If you listened to last week's episode, uh, he was the person who taught us about finalizers. uh, And he's definitely very well aware of everything error handling in Go. So shout out to uh, Josh. So a very interesting uh, HTTP serve uh, discussion. If you use HTTP serve or use some framework, go read it. It will definitely be educational and go, you know, upvote comments that you find interesting. Engage in the discussion. It's a very early stage propo- uh, discussion. And I think that we might see five, six, seven uh, actual proposals make it to the stand library from it because, I don't know, it's very, it's very hot, a very hot topic. Definitely.
and talking about hot new stuff, <laughs> other than the beautiful cups we're holding, wait till the ad break to hear about those. Uh, what's been released this week? Well, the, I think the big news this week is Hugo version. Now, this is kind of ridiculous. Version <laughs> 0.112. They need to do something about their version numbers, but hey, whatever. So Hugo version 0.112.0 and 0.1 and 0.2. Maybe by the time you hear this, 0.17 as well. I don't know. Uh, 0.5 was released uh, 29 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) It's a small fix. We love you, Hugo. Uh, Great patches. So anyway, big shout out to the Hugo team for for new releases. Uh, we had to make fun of them a little bit for all these little point releases. Someone's a little bit trigger happy, but hey, they're bug fixes. Some are regression fixes, so maybe there's some room to improve the test suite. I don't know. Um, but hey, I'm, I'm a u- big user of Hugo. I know you are too, so this is exciting to see new features. Yeah, and our interview from last week, uh, Christoph is also uh, considering Hugo. Yes. And we mentioned the word Hugo, like, I don't know. 15 people uh, talked with us in the, in, the, in the thread. People love it. Yeah. So what have they added in this version? Anything worth mentioning to, uh, in, in version one zero point one hundred and twelve. So the main thing I found interesting was Tailwind support. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of conflict merger stuff. Consolidation of Hugo config. Just write Hugo config in the command line and, and you'll see it. Uh, and simple Cobra and extensions and more and more. Uh, so a lot of stuff that that is actually useful and interesting, um, and just use Hugo config for getting the effective configuration, which for me is very very. I'm I'm really happy to see it. Anything that can help make these sites more CI compliant and more production ready, uh, just will help me in the future when I set up uh, websites for clients or for my companies or for whatever. To convince that Hugo is is production enough, and you don't need like WordPress or whatever, and then I can write my markdown and run my Hugo, and it will compile in a second. Uh, so we love you, Hugo, and thanks for the new release. Also released, uh, not this week. Uh, we really wanted to mention it uh, a few times, and we missed it. Uh, is G O N T? I don't know how to pronounce it. I guess it's Gont or Go N T. If you have testing with network topologies. If you have projects that have a lot of network topologies, uh, you need to run stuff over switches or routers or nets or uh, multiple machines or whatever. Um, a lot of the time, testing is hard. And then you always see these discussions popping up. Do I even need to do integration tests? Uh, can I just go get by with unit tests? Uh, and I think this is a radical new approach. Testing framework for distributed Go applications where... Inside the Go runtime, you simulate like various common network nodes, right? Hosts, routers, switches, firewalls, and it's very network heavy. At the end, you can get a, a Wireshark like PCAP output, which for me is amazing. And it's just ideal for Golang unit tests. So if you have a network-ish thing, uh, check out this package. Uh, one thing that I found interesting, I've never seen this in an open source project before, is the funding acknowledgement. When you oh. scroll down to the bottom of the package, uh, you can see a little EU flag, which I guess for you is a little nicer than for me. I'm just a part of the <laughs> Eurovision. I'm not part of the EU. Is that good or bad for you? Um, I can't ride my bike all the way to you directly, right? Because mm. I have to go through border, which is a shame because I just bought a new bike. So I guess it's worse. For me. <laughs> um, but the development has been supported by uh, a green energy program. 
and got a grant from the EU, which to me was super interesting. I'm really happy to see stuff that's open source and financially backed by organizations. And also green energy, stuff like that. Just cool. Nice. Uh, and I already started to use this project in a client project, at least trying to, because it just seems really, really strong for you know, making the unit tests even better. Uh, so if you have network stuff, check it out. One last thing for the day. Uh, I want to do a shout out to uh, a post that uh, was published. It's been a couple weeks uh, by John Arundel uh, doing a series on random testing and go. And on May 10, he just had his most recent version or, or edition of this come out uh, on fuzz tests in go. And I, I know John Arundel because he's written a book that I, I reviewed favorably um, called uh, For the Love of Go. And so he's a, a Go educator, author, teacher, um, and he writes great content that's easy to understand and it's just really accessible. So if you're interested in learning to do fuzz testing or other forms of random testing in Go, uh, highly recommend his article, Fuzz Tests in Go. I have not yet done fuzz testing in Go and I want to, so I'm going to be reading this article again and uh, picking up on some of the advice. Uh, have you done fuzz testing, Shai? Yeah, I, I have done, and it found a critical performance bug, which is not nice. exactly what fuzz testing is uh, supposed right? to do. Uh, but then I learned about benchmarking, and it did that as well. Nice. Uh, but the, uh, we leaked enough memory there that even just running the fuzzer uh, crashed it after a few seconds. Nice. One thing that's cool about this series is that it's not done yet. So yeah. if you're learning about it, for example, Jonathan, you're reading and you're like, oh, this part is still not clear to me, you can probably talk to him. Uh, yeah. and impact the next two posts. And he's a really accessible guy in my experience. Of course, I, I did inter- I did review one of his books, so maybe he was being extra nice to me. Uh, but he did reach out, and we've had a couple uh, short conversations. So we're going to try to get him on the show to talk about some of his uh, writing also. Yeah, so if you want to learn about fast testing, or if you know it and you just need a quick refresher, uh, this post is really great. Yep. Uh, there are a ton more posts we want to talk about, stuff from Reddit, and stuff about game dev, and uh, the fine framework, but we're out of time for this week. So thanks a lot for listening, and maybe we'll get to those posts next week. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Stick around for the ad break to hear about our sponsors and other cool things. And after the ad break, John and I are going to be reviewing some of the conversations going on in our tiny little Slack garden community. Stick around. Stick around for that. <laughs> So, Jonathan, developing and running Go apps is challenging, right? Of course. Challenging enough for us to have a podcast and for all our listeners to do it as a full-time job. Uh, Usually, you need to handle everything from setting up the automated builds to designing a scalable, resilient infrastructure. Maybe you even have to go into the DevOps room. And, you know, you have to take off your shoes and they only accept tickets between 3.45 and a quarter to 4. Mm-hmm. That's the only time they accept <laughs> tickets. Uh, so our beautiful partners at Koyeb want to make it easier to deploy your full stack apps, APIs, workers, anything. With a simple Git push, your app gets seamlessly deployed across the world on high-end bare metal servers. Thousands of developers are already developing with Koyeb. I am among them. Nice. It actually works. Uh, no ops required. Very simple, very scalable, and very, very performant. The site itself is also very snappy. I like mm-hmm. that. Maybe they have some uh, WebAssembly things going on. I'm feeling attacked, Shai. You're telling me that Koyab works, which uh, sounds like it's in contrast to the DevOps thing I set up last week. 
I don't want to, I want to, it's even tinier DevOps. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> You're tiny DevOps, they're tinier DevOps. All right. Uh, if you want to check them out, uh, you can start deploying now for free at koyab.com. Uh, they have a modest uh, free trial, but uh, an actual free trial, not a secret bill at the end of the month free trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to thank Koyab for supporting uh, the show and uh, Go community in general. Hopefully next week you'll get to hear from them if we yeah. set up the interview correctly. So thanks, Koyab. Any other updates our listeners should know about? What are you holding there in your hand? I'm holding a, a shiny new cup of Go cup of Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, I, there's an admission here. If you'll go to our Slack community, you'll see a, a picture or a selfie of us holding a cups or whatever. Mine is empty. I already drank my coffee before. Mine's almost empty and it's cold, but I'm still drinking it. Uh, if you want the beautiful cups for yourselves, and they really are, they came out great. Um, yes. I drank coffee a few times. It tastes okay. Only okay? Yeah, I have a thing. Maybe later. Uh, okay. My coffee is only okay at home at this point. <laughs> um hopefully i'll i'm starting a new job next week and hopefully next next week and hopefully the coffee there will be slightly better but i'm gonna bring in a cup and if you want a cup also you can go buy one at store.cupago.dev so go check that out there's some merch we have some swag and if you don't want to send us money but you just want to send us some information such as comments or questions or suggestions you can also do that at cupago.dev or on our exciting slack channel uh, where you can see pictures of these cups, which is Cup of Go kebab case on the Gopher Slack. Uh, we did have a problem getting uh, new people subscribed to the Gopher Slack this last week, uh, but hopefully that'll be fixed. The public link was broken, but I let the admins know. Hopefully that's fixed by now. If you can't subscribe, just send me an email. Go to cupago.dev, and I'll send you some, uh, an, an invite. Yeah, you can email us directly at news at cupago.dev. That is news at cupago.dev. Uh, finally, leave a review. If you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, if you're listening on AM radio, it might be a little harder. But we want to hear about that. We want to know which radio station is broadcasting us on AM radio. broadcasting our show. <laughs> um, wherever you listen to your podcast, uh, leave a review, rate, share it with your uh, colleagues or co-students. We appreciate it a lot. Uh, that's it. I think it wraps us up. Stick around to hear about some of our internal Slack conversations that have happened over the last week. Yeah, there are some interesting discussions going on in the Slack community, and we wanted to highlight some of the contributions by the uh, community members. Thanks all for listening. See you all next week. So we don't have an interview lined up this week, but we have a bunch to talk about. Some things that have kind of, some of them have been on our backlog for a long time. We thought this would be a good chance to talk about those. So the first one is I want to do a big shout out to the admins over on the Gopher Slack. Uh, Thanks, we wanted, admins. <laughs> we wanted to integrate uh, our podcast RSS feed to our Cup of Go channel. And they had an integration that was supposed to do that, but it wasn't working. They've gotten it fixed. So big thanks to them. We now have integration. If you just hang out on that Slack channel, you'll get a message every time a new episode comes live. So um, that's cool. Thank, thanks for doing yeah, that. And RSS is having a real resurgence, uh, which is foreshadowing for later uh, <laughs> in this uh, specific topic. Yes. So our Slack channel is kind of weird. We have, in a good way, um, we have the episodes come out. And then we have like people posting selfies with their cups or maybe people asking, uh, you know, the interviewees saying hi to everyone and answering some questions. Uh, and sometimes we just have some random topics. 
or, you know, very deep follow-ups. One interesting topic that came up from Chad McElligott, uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly, uh, was the topic of AI assets. So if you don't know, the logo is AI generated. Uh, if you go into the Slack, you can see some of the other iterations, some of which are pretty funny. I really like the hyper-realistic uh, Gophers one. Mm -hmm. uh, we should use that for something uh, sometimes. So we shared the prompt. The prompt was uh, a gopher drinking a cup of coffee while recording a podcast about the Golang program language in a cartoon-style logo. But it, it brought up an interesting discussion. Back when we set up the logo, I had a person, like an illustrator, lined up, and they mm -hmm. just couldn't find the time. I yeah. ended up using the AI one, and people love it. Yeah. Is that moral, or am I a bad person? Wow, I don't know the answer to that. So I mean, we, we had a conversation about this for a couple of weeks before we did our first episode, and we our, our initial plan was, okay, we'll use this AI one as sort of inspiration, but we're going to get a professional to do it and you know, tweak it a little bit, give us the, uh, maybe a landscape version so we can use it as a, a banner on our website, you know, different things like that. And then that, that never happened. Maybe it will at some point. You know, maybe it, once we're billionaires, we can you know, hire you know, 3D animators to do this for us properly. But <laughs> yeah, We can do some patronage of the yes. arts. Um, but I did the music manually because I can do it myself because mm -hmm. I'm in my background, I'm a musician, but I can't do the art because I can barely hold a fucking pencil. Right. Yeah. Does that make it okay? I don't know. I feel like I, we paid for the license. The, the image yeah. is licensed. We paid for mid journey. We have the license. It's all fine. Um, so it is legal, but I'm, I'm, I'm a bit squirmish about it because I really like the logo. I really like yeah. how it looks on the cup. I really like how it looks. Uh, on the site um but it, it's a bit uh it's a bit weird having yeah. a logo that you uh, that you know was just generated by an algorithm and it's only going to get better right yeah. yeah we're still on the early stage so the logo is ai generated but the music is uh manually beautifully crafted by me <laughs> um i was <laughs> and, in and an the airport. vocals oh vocals is my wife yeah shout out to olga if you're listening you're beautiful Great. um so vocals is my wife. Uh, most of the audio I did in a something called a DAO, digital audio workstation. Uh, if you have a Mac, you have one. It's called GarageBand. Mm. Um, and I was in an airport waiting for a flight that was delayed, and I just uh, like played the keyboard like a piano, came up with some riffs, and when I got back home, I grabbed my guitar and, and recorded some stuff. All in all, I don't know, forty five minutes. Maybe maybe you can hear it. <laughs> it's not super deep orchestral work. Well, for a podcast, which is usually played at a pretty low bit rate anyway, it's probably probably quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was fun. It's a cool riff, right? I like it. Yeah, it's also, it's nice because it's HJKL uh, on the GarageBand right. keyboard. So I felt very <laughs> Vim appropriate. Um. So, yeah, that's the assets. Um, the logo was AI generated. Uh, the music was manually crafted by me. And uh, obviously, our voices are not AI generated. This is our real selves, right, Jonathan? Yes, this is absolutely real. <laughs> no chance this is trained on the previous episodes. It's just reading a transcript, right? No chance at all. If I was a robot, I wouldn't tell you that. <laughs> Yeah, so that's about the assets. Uh, thanks, Chad, for asking, and thanks for. Uh, I, we're happy that you like it. Uh, we'll we'll train the machine to you know we'll train the model to come out with more uh, logos that look like it.
what other things we've been seeing around Slack? We, we had a good shout out from uh, Josh Bleacher Snyder. That name keeps popping up. Uh, yeah. We mentioned him in the earlier part of the episode. Uh, but he had a good shout out uh, about the news item last week about finalizers. Uh, and he gave us uh, some additional resources to look at. Basically, his comment was, if you'd like more evidence that finalizers are hard to use, here are some very experienced Go programmers trying to diagnose and fix finalizer-induced crashes. And he points to some issues on GitHub uh, where this was the case. Um, so TLDR, or this is my takeaway from that, finalizers are complicated. Don't feel bad if you don't understand them or or think that they should be avoided because they're they're difficult for the best of us to use properly. Yeah, and uh, Josh Snyder is slowly becoming a co-host in this episode. We might have to credit him. Thanks, Josh. Uh, another recurring uh, fan, or I don't know, listener, is Joe Davidson. Uh, we mentioned his uh, project XC a while back. It's a markdown runner thing. Uh, and he has an interesting call for help. He has been asked to run a workshop about Go, the target audience being engineers that work in object-oriented languages. Boo. I'm just Boo. You have to start somewhere, right? You have to start somewhere. Do you? Uh, <laughs> Do you have to start there? <laughs> uh, I started in assembly and C. So. I started in basic on a Commodore 64. So, <laughs> Well, real programmers use Emacs. <laughs> no, I'm just um, so if you have some insights uh, for Joe on how to think like a gopher, or if you have content that you like about how to think like a gopher, other than this uh, beautiful podcast, of course, Hop onto the thread and, and try and help him out. Uh, the Slack community, I think, is a good place for these sorts of discussions or how to talk about Go to other people, other developers yeah. in your area. And the last thing worth mentioning is, again, RSS. And Hugo. Yeah, oh, my God. Which, by the way, just had another release. Uh, in the last yeah, few while minutes. we were recording the episode, they, <laughs> they released another uh, small patch and, and dropped it on Twitter. Great, great work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so last week we interviewed the author of Applied Go, uh, which is a super good newsletter. And mm-hmm. we mentioned to all our listeners, you should go subscribe, right? Uh, and one of our listeners, uh, Jamie, was like, how do I subscribe? There's no RSS feed. Right. Problem. Uh, this opened a whole uh, discussion with Christoph about how the frameworks that he's using, which is MailerLite, has no RSS feed. And he's desperately looking for a newsletter uh, system that does have that. And you mentioned one, right? Uh, Hugo well, and something else. Sort of. So basically my suggestion, and, and I, I have to preface this by saying these aren't my ideas. I'm copying other people who are smarter than me. Um, but I'm, I'm part of a community of, of uh, small business-minded uh, people who do a lot of emailing. And the general approach we use is to write a blog post and that blog post has an RSS feed that a mailer system like MailerLite or Drip or ConvertKit turns into email. So it's kind of a reverse of what Christoph was looking for. Um, but it, it's a, seems to be a common approach. So I use Drip and, and my Hugo-based website, which is now sadly on an outdated version of Hugo. <laughs> As it will be in every 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's the approach I do. So I write my emails in uh, Markdown format into Hugo. I commit them to, to Git. And then when it's published, the RSS feed that Hugo generates uh, triggers the email from from Drip. Yeah, and, and we've had a few uh, back and forths with uh, Christoph and also uh, Mayor Blumenfeld. 
And I obviously voted for Hugo uh, because I use Hugo as well. And uh, Christoph even found the Easter egg of the fact that my first post is uh, January 1st, uh, 1970. He was asking what I was doing at the time. <laughs> Hard to say. So I, I used the startup terms. Uh, I was in pre-seed. Uh, so we have a lot of fun around Slack. Come join. That was the main uh, point of the segment. We want to see you there as well, right? So if you want to join the Slack community, uh, join the Gopher Slack. It has a ton of other great channels. Things like obviously the announcements, but all, all every library, every topic you need help with, uh, go kit, fine, like whatever, uh, you'll find people talking about it there. Uh, and also if you're looking for jobs, there are channels for jobs and jobs remote. If you're a newbie to go, there's a newbie channel. So join and, and join our tiny little, uh, garden in Slack. It's cup-o-go. So with hyphens, kebab case. <laughs> That wraps it up for this week. Thanks a lot for listening. Sorry for some technical glitches. Uh, I don't know if those made it to the recording or not, but if so, uh, we apologize. Yeah. Hope to see you next week. Bye, everyone.